0: On today's insights: short or long articles. What's best for your staffing firm? Going viral shouldn't be the goal of social media anymore, and we have the data to prove it. And Matt tells us exactly what he did to decrease one client's cost per application by 60 percent. Insights is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Do you ever wish you had an easier way to sell your staffing services? Do you wish more qualified candidates would apply to your jobs? it's time to stop wishing and start doing. Let Haley Marketing create a roadmap for your company. We'll talk with you about your goals, determine the best marketing strategies for your business, and then give you an outline of everything you need to do to succeed in this market. And the best part, it's completely free. If you'd like a marketing roadmap for your staffing company, give us a call at 888-696-2900 or email us at info at haleymarketing.com. This is Insights. Welcome to Insights. Tips and best practices
1: from the insiders at Haley Marketing. Insights will provide you with the tools you need to master your social media, digital marketing, and employer branding. Your
0: hosts for Insights are Brad Bailey and Matt Lozar. What's up? This is Brad Bailey and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are we doing this week, buddy?
1: We're doing well, Brad. We are, the entire country seems cold, except for a client I talked to in Florida where it was 84 on Monday.
0: We got blasted with snow, Matt. By the time this podcast comes out, it will have been yesterday. Matt, I was outside for like an hour and a half, snow blowing today. It was epic, to say yeah, the no- least
1: everyone, Northeast is getting hit. Texas doesn't have power. We're hoping everybody can stay safe down there. Kind of a scary situation. And it's been an interesting February, like it always is. And, you know, we're enjoying it here the best we can. And we're one day closer to golf season, as Brad would tell me.
0: We are one day closer to golf season. All right, man, let's get after it, buddy. Let's go. Short or long articles. What's best for your staffing firm? Matt, when we think about creating content, when we think about creating blog articles, there's always a question that pops up of, well, how long does my article need to be? Do I need short form content? Do I need long form content? What sort of articles should I be writing if I want to get started with blogging? Matt, give us your take first here. Short or long articles? What's best for the majority of staffing firms?
1: There isn't a good answer here. And I'm going to cop out, but my answer is going to be, the length the article needs to be. And if you can write a really good article in four or 500 words, great. If you need to write a really good article in a 1,000 words, great. Or 2,000 or 3,000 words, which gets harder the longer an article is because you need probably need a really good set of editing eyes to make sure every part of that adds value. And you can look at statistics until you're blue in the face of short articles work better, long articles work better, but from an SEO standpoint, a search engine optimization standpoint, if someone clicks on your article and spends time reading your article, that's going to be the best, one of the best ranking signals to Google to say that content is being enjoyed and consumed by your audience.
0: You're spot on. I think there's two ways to take that question. The first is from an SEO standpoint. I know the team at Haley Marketing consistently says long form content is a a better play in terms of ranking in Google search because you get more link backs, you get more um, opportunity to talk on different topics, you get more keyword density in the article. But in terms of just creating content, let's remove the SEO aspect from it. Shorter long form articles. Matt, do we need a short or a long movie? Do we need a short or a long song or short or long book? It doesn't really matter. If if you captivate somebody's attention, you entertain them, you answer one of their questions, it can be as short or long as it needs to be. I think you're spot on in saying that it just needs to answer the question and that there's really no sweet spot in terms of length. Content, if it's a great article, I will give you five to 10 minutes of my time to read the entire article. If your article stinks, it doesn't matter how long it is, I'm not going to read it. Short-form content, sure, we have a better likelihood that someone's going to get through the whole thing because it's short in nature. But same point, if the content isn't strong, no one's going to read it anyways. So it has to answer that that question. It has to answer a a challenging question that provides a thought-provoking answer. It has to entertain, and it has to provide some sort of what's in it for me, the reader. At that point, length doesn't really matter to me.
1: It felt like we were on this roller coaster. The past five to ten years, we came from the print world, where obviously, if you think about a newspaper or a magazine, you know, newspaper is column inch. There's a finite amount of paper in a newspaper every day, pretty much. And then we went to the internet, where there's no limit to whatever you can do, and people just wrote extended articles and keyword stuffed their articles to make sure Google would read their articles for for. Keywords that would help improve your your ranking on first page and whatnot, and then it went to short because nobody read long, and now we're kind of in the middle. And I agree. I mean, you know, I read a lot of sports content outside of work, and if it's a really good sports article, like you said, Brett, I'll give you ten minutes. If it's a really bad sh- article, doesn't matter if it's two thousand words or five hundred words. If it's not enjoyable to me, I'm clicking to the next thing within three seconds. So that's what has to be on your minds when creating content for your website, for social, for email, wherever it is, think about that audience and then look at your statistics to see what's working well and what needs to be adjusted.
0: Also give you more time to consume your content. If I haven't seen that take before, or if I haven't seen this topic before you think about a song when you, you know, I love Dave Matthews band. Right. And and Matt, I don't know about your take on them, but Their live versions are extended. They're super long because they go off, they do a solo, they jam a little bit. It's different than the the studio recording. The crowd will give them their attention because it's different and it's, it's captivating attention. Articles, to me, are the same way. If you're not catching my attention from the first sentence, from that first time that I look at the content... It doesn't matter. I'm not going to make it all the way through because you've lost me already. You have to hook the reader and you have to be thought provoking. Yes, you need to create good content that answers a question better than anybody else, but you need to be captivating and you need to capture that attention. Otherwise your audience is going to leave.
1: And a couple of things to maybe look at for the listener here on your website. If you have Google analytics installed, which you should look at time on page or look at bounce rate, And what we mean is the time on page for a blog post or some web page on your site, if it's 10 seconds, that's not good. If it's, you know, one minute, two minute, three minutes, that's going to be better. And it's going to increase your time on page. And that shows Google people are enjoying it for a bounce rate. If someone comes to that page and then leaves your website, if that's a very high percentage, you know, 80, 90%, that's a problem because it wasn't good content and people read it and just left. So a really bad combination would be low or excuse me high bounce rate percentage and a low time on page. Then on social bread I would think, you know, clicks would be good, but also shares or comments or or likes would really be statistics that show us people want to share that comment content with their followers of their own audience or or comment because they they have something to add.
0: That's tough for me, though, too. In in staffing and recruiting, when we're talking about finding your next job or improving your career, improving your resume, likes and shares are tough, right? If I, Brad Biley, am a passive job seeker, I'm not going to share an article about improving my resume because I don't want everyone to know I'm looking for a job. And I think we see that a lot in our industry as we're writing content that improves the career of individuals. Likes and shares are hard to come by, but Matt's exactly right with looking at well, how long are those readers looking at the content? How long are they on the website? What are they doing after they land on a blog? Are they reading more content? Are they going to the job board? Are they going to request services? What's that user flow? So, yeah, Matt, you need to look at the data and then to to kind of bring it full circle here. When we think about long or short content, for me, it comes back to answering the question. How many words do you need to get your point across in a unique way, in a way that hasn't been done before, that captivates attention, that answers the question, and then ultimately drives a reader to take action. Going viral shouldn't be the goal of social media anymore, and we have the data to prove it. Matt Navara, a social media consultant that I follow pretty regularly, retweeted an article that caught my attention this week, and I want to talk about it on this episode of Insights. He shared an article from Zulie Rain, who is a uh, online content creator. Uh, I had actually just learned about her from the, the retweet from Matt. And she put out an article called a couple hundred bucks in a few hundred follows. A viral tweet isn't worth much. And Matt, when we think about the viral nature of social media, individuals are constantly looking to go viral. They're looking for that accreditation that their tweet, their social post is being seen, is being liked, is being enjoyed. But what we're seeing in this data is that going viral doesn't really matter. And Matt, we've said that at Haley Marketing for years, but it's nice to finally have data that supports it. One post in here, and we could put a link to the the article here in the show notes. One person, uh, her name was Melissa Duffy, had a pretty funny tweet. Um, It said, I hate that teeth require so much specific care. The rest of my bones are so low maintenance. Funny tweet is what it is. It had 690,000 likes, 77,000 comments, 75,000 retweets. Ton of reach, ton of engagement. What did it result in? She received $10 to promote a roses company. She had the opportunity to quote, name her price for a, a weight loss opportunity that she did not take. She did have an Etsy shop linked in her Twitter account, and it looks like she might have made about 20 bucks. So, what is the cost of going viral, Matt? Again, 76,000 retweets, 700,000 likes, about 30 bucks. Matt, I can think of countless other ways to drive action from social media that will result in much more business growth. For me, this sums it up, man. It's not about going viral. It's about sticking to business goals and sticking to what you're trying to do, and making sure, Matt, every post has a purpose.
1: It might help you catch fire for 15 minutes, and then we move on. That's what this data from the article shows and backs up really what we've believed and talked about here at Haley Marketing, which is good to see. It's nice when the data backs up your your thoughts and your kind of your gut instincts, but that's where the long-term play helps, could it increase your followers? Sure. Could it get you some business? Of course. And then, you know, not to discount the viral social content, but maybe if you just catch fire a little bit, what do you do when, if your follower base increases by 50%, how can you keep them engaged? Can you with really
0: good content long-term? And are they relevant people, right? Mm -hmm. If they're following you because your tweet was funny and you're a staffing and recruiting firm, does it really matter? Matt, I know a um, couple years ago, and, and you know this, I, I got my dad tickets to his first White Sox game. Tweeted a video of it because it was a great video. Dad started crying when we gave him the tickets, my wife and I. Uh, that post ended up getting, that video got seen 80,000 times. While it was great, and I got to have some great conversation with White Sox fans for the next like week or so, ultimately, we also got a free White Sox jersey out of it, which was awesome. Um you know, the team caught wind of it. it. It did get, you know, a little bit of a viral nature for me, but that's gone. No one cares anymore. Right. I was, I was quote, you know, Twitter famous in, in MLB Twitter for like a day. Uh, you know, my, my family ended up on MLB network, but it's back to business as usual. No one cares about, about me anymore. Right. So I think that's important to remember is you're going viral. You're riding that wave. And what does it matter? You know, you have business goals as a staffing and recruiting firm of generating more applications and more job orders. You can't replicate viral. You can't go viral every other day and consistently ride that wave. So instead of chasing viral, instead of chasing that unicorn, why not lean into a strategy built around your goals and your your overall objectives? So for me, Matt, uh, to summarize the segment here, we need to stop chasing viral. We've said it at Haley Marketing for years the data supports it, the, the take that we shared supports it. Ultimately, we just want to chase business goals, business objectives. Your social media strategy, the tactics you deploy on social media should be aligned with your overall goals and your overall objectives. If you're trying to drive applications, if you're trying to jo- drive job orders, everything that you do, every post should have a purpose in pushing you closer to that goal. Don't chase viral, chase business goals and business objectives. All right, Matt, I'm excited for this segment. You recently had a case study where you were working with a client at Haley Marketing, managing their programmatic job advertising, and you were able to decrease their cost per application by 60%. Matt, you shared the data with me. You shared the data with our team. Now it's time for you to share it on Insights. It's pretty astonishing walk us through where you started, what you noticed, what you did and and really walk us through the case study of how you were able to decrease one client's cost per application by 60%.
1: The data for this segment comes from one of the hardest industries to recruit for right now and it's trucking, trucking in California, which is really challenging. And this client we work with was offering a sign-on bonus of $1,000 or $2,000 for truckers and also had a higher wage end of December with a promotion for their clients. And then throughout January, the the higher wage went away. And by the end of January, the sign-on bonus went away. For just financial reasons, they're trying to see what would work well and what didn't work well. And then beginning of February came an application struggle, like a complete drop-off. And to me, from a marketing seat, we're thinking, what changed? We didn't really change our job board strategy much that, should have that much of an impact. We didn't change our bidding strategy or our budget enough. And the data showed us we had a problem. So before there was some applications that had the bonus in the higher wage, they got 106 applications. The bonus in the lower wage, 57 applications, which was good in December and January. And then we got to February. No bonus in a lower wage had 18 applications. The cost per application was around $94. We saw this beginning of February, you know, last week. We talked to the clients, said, Hey, here's what we're seeing. Here's some data. What can you do on your end financially? They added on the sign-on bonus and a higher wage and some sort of combination for a handful of their jobs. And that $94 application cost decreased to $37. So that was a 60% drop. And we went from really only 18 applications in the first 10 days of February to 36 applications the past five days, all by just putting the sign-on bonus back in the job title and increasing the hourly wage. That's where the data helps us make better decisions and is where programmatic job advertising is one way you can do that. It's not the only way, it makes it easier. But if you have that data on your side, you can go back to, you know, if you're in the marketing or recruiting department, you can go back to the right people at your company or to your clients and say, if we want applications, this is what we have to pay. This is what the market rate is for truck drivers in California.
0: I love that. They can go to clients and say that. They can go to prospects and say that. They can go to their internal team and say that. Having that data and saying, listen, this is what works. This is what will get us applications. That's it, Matt. I mean, that's exactly what we need, especially in this market.
1: And it also shows us, let's take it to the next level. Let's say you're a company like this and you can add bonuses for some of your jobs, not all of them. Now we know we need a, a bidding strategy for your jobs with a higher wage and a, in a sign on bonus. That's different from a, a different bidding strategy from jobs with a lower wage or no sign on bonus, because those are harder to fill. And that's where having the data on your end, you know, is great. And it's great to work with companies that accept that data and don't just say what happened. It's, it's factual, it's backed up. And then you can work with companies because in trucking right now, it's, it's as hard as anything, you know, this side of registered nurses to recruit for. And in California, you know, there's companies giving two, five, ten $10,000 bonuses for working for you for a year. That's a significant amount of money. So even just taking out $1,000 sign on bonus from their job title had a huge impact. And it shows how you need to make the best decisions based on the data from your audience.
0: So walk me through how I would get started. You know, Brad's staffing firm has jobs where we're hiring for whatever the role might be. Is it as simple as me just deploying different job listings and, and experimenting with job titles? How did you find this? How did you get started here?
1: It's really just knowing what to do with the data. It is, we have, you know, if you can collect data on your end, that shows applications or cost per application based on a job where you can collect it if it's by job title, if it's by salary of the job. From our end, what we did was look at different job numbers. They keep the same job numbers a lot because there's a lot of evergreen jobs. And we just compared data in November and December, January to February. The only thing that changed on those jobs was either the hourly wage or the sign-on bonus being increased, decreased, or eliminated, added back in. When you have that data, you do the analysis to say, okay, if my trucking job in XYZ City, when it had a bonus, it brought us 20 applications at $40 an application. And when it we took it away, we only had two applications at $100 an application. That's the analysis right there. And if you have someone on your team Or someone to work with that's really good at analyzing that data and numbers. It's a skill set, right? I love it. I've loved data and numbers since I was four reading baseball cards. It's just a skill and something I enjoy. But there's lots of people out there that can do this. That's the data you need because we're collecting so much data now in 2021. Knowing what to do with that data, that's the next step that helps you make the best business decisions on the recruitment side and also when working with your clients. So really merge both sides of a staffing agency here.
0: I love that quote, man. It's thinking through the fact that yes, we're capturing data. Great. What you do with it is what matters most. Otherwise you just have a massive spreadsheet of numbers. And, and what's the point, Matt, if someone's listening right now and they want to get involved here, they need help. They need a hand. What can they do? Reach out to you. Should they reach out to walk me through that? I mean, I feel like hearing this, when you showed me the data, it was eye-opening to me. And the fact that you had it so clearly laid out was incredible. And I know that we talked about it. We've been talking about it for a week or so now. Someone's listening right now. They're thinking, Hey, I would love to experiment with this. I would love to try this. Talk to me. How do I get started? Walk us through that.
1: If you need some help, I'd say start with our blogs, recruitmentmarketers.com, haleymarketing.com. Just wrote a blog about this actually that says, is programmatic a bad idea for the staffing industry where we jump into it? You know, We have LinkedIn live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. There's a archive of a video you can jump on my LinkedIn profile and look at right now, or reach out to the team here. Info at HaleyMarketing.com. You know we have contact us forms on the Haley Marketing page and Recruit Marketers website. We're we're happy to to look at your data. I'm doing it right now for a company. You know they have offices Ohio, Michigan, Florida areas where we had a conversation earlier this week, and they're like, "Can you help us here?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Let's look at your data and see if we can." And we'll give you an honest answer to see where improvements could be made or if they're doing everything right right now and stay the course. So reach out to the team at Haley Marketing and we're happy to to have that conversation to see where you can reduce or eliminate the wasted spend in your job advertising.
0: That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts have a question for us, you could tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at haleymarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out haleymarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. My podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.